Today, I'm going to continue in our series uh, that we've been working on, that we've been going through, stories from Jesus. And what we've been doing is looking at the parables from the Gospel of Matthew. And today, we're going to talk about how to set right priorities. I believe that's what this parable that we're going to read today uh, tells us. And the title of the message is The Story of the Liar and the Procrastinator. Now, I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life that I've procrastinated. And if we're all honest, there have been times that we've all lied. The only people that uh, say that they've never lied, they're probably the biggest liars because we've all lied before, right? And uh, so the fact is, every one of us can identify with what's being said in this story. And we're going to look at it. It's really a story of two sons. A father asks his two sons to go work in his vineyard. And we're going to see what application that makes to us today. So let's begin reading in Matthew 21, verse 28. It says, what do you think? A man had two sons. And he went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of the Father? Now, once again, the parables that we read from Jesus, many of them, in fact, most of them, make a comparison. And it says, this is what it's like in the kingdom of heaven. Or the kingdom of God. And what does that mean? That's the work of God in the earth. We could say that's the spread of the gospel. The reason that Jesus came to this world was for what? Was to save people. To bring people into his family. It was for people to hear the good news. To be redeemed and forgiven and brought back into right relationship with God. So any of that work in the earth is the work of the kingdom of God. So when Jesus said constantly and this parable was in a string of parables that were, he would say, this is, the kingdom of heaven is like this. And so he's making this comparison again. He says, what do you think? And basically he's saying the kingdom of heaven is like this father that asks two sons to go work in his vineyard. Now, I want to break that down for you a little bit. The father here represents God or Jesus, it could be. And he is asking all of us, every follower of Jesus Christ, to work in his vineyard. Now, what does that mean, to work in the vineyard? Well, Jesus used this metaphor many times uh, in the Gospels. And basically, he's talking about working for the kingdom of God. We would call it doing the will of God. We would call it living for God's purpose in your life. Now, think about this. This is incredibly important. If you have no purpose, what is the meaning for you in life? Think about that. That's incredibly important, isn't it? Now, God wants us to have a higher purpose. Now, should each of us have a purpose of of living our lives, raising a family, having a job, uh, food, shelter, clothing? Yes, that's that's a very important thing. I'm not saying that it isn't. But there must be a much higher purpose in our lives if we're going to find meaning in our lives. Think about it. If all you do is work Monday to Friday, can't wait for the weekend, can't wait for retirement, there's nothing wrong with the weekend and there's certainly nothing wrong with the retirement, 
But if that's all the purpose you have in life, if all the purpose you have is to exist, then you're not really living the life that God has called you to live. And, and so without a purpose, what happens to us? We all, uh, we wander, we drift. In our culture today, you see a lot of nonsense, I would call it, going on. Uh, the fact is, there are people that call uh, lies the truth and truth the lies. And we, we see that, and that's a result of sin, and I'm not going to get into that uh, so much. But where that begins, really, is in something that is called relativism. Relativism. You say, what is relativism? Well, it's basically the idea that there is no absolute truth. Oh, I can have my truth, and you can have your truth, but there is no real truth. You ever heard that? People say that all the time. Well, this is my truth. Well, there is a truth, and there, if there is no truth, then there really is no reason to exist. And if there is no truth, there certainly is no real joy or happiness, because if all you do is fill some skin for a few years, maybe reproduce a little bit, have a job, a little bit of fun on the weekends. If that's all there is to life, then what a miserable existence that is. The fact is, there are more people today, particularly young people in our culture today, that deal with mental, mental health issues, depression, suicide, and we could go down the list. And the fact is, it's higher than it's ever been. And there's been more treatment than ever in history for those issues. Now, I believe that part of the reason for that is this very idea that without truth, without a purpose, without something that is real that we can hang our hats on, then you do end up drifting. You do end up living a meaningless life. You do end up wondering if there's any purpose to life at all. And of course, that causes depression, that causes mental illness, and we could go down the list. So what Jesus is talking about here is going to work in the vineyard, doing something that matters, making a difference with your life. And the good news is, the Bible teaches us this, that everybody can do something. Everybody can be a part. Now, there are others that maybe are more talented in certain areas than you. I know there certainly are people that are more talented than I am. I was marveling this week as I was watching our staff in particular working so hard to get this stuff set up. If that were up to me, we'd be meeting out in the yard somewhere, okay? No sound system, no lights, no air conditioning, because I don't know how to do that kind of stuff. And that's the only part of that story. I don't ever plan on learning how to do that kind of stuff because that doesn't really interest me very much. Now, maybe there's something like that for you. Uh, my wife is a very good leader. She does great work in our church and particularly with our children's ministry. But she is, uh, she's very gifted in a lot of areas. She's gifted musically. But one of the things that I appreciate about her so much is that she really, 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 really loves to cook. And I really, 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 really love to eat. And so we make a tremendous team, all right? She'll cook and I'll eat. Now, the fact is, joking aside, every one of you is different in your skill level, in your talent. Some of you are gifted musically. Some of you are gifted with hospitality. 
You didn't know that was a biblical gift. Some of you did, did you? But the fact is, if you have this ability to, uh, to be hospitable, even to bring people into your home, maybe for a small group or to help host people on a Sunday morning uh, in our guest services with greeting them and with uh, uh, serving in the coffee bar, just different things, you have a gift that has been given to you by God. And whether it's to be a carpenter or to work with electronics or computers or uh, leadership or whatever it is, God wants you. Don't look at the neighbor next to you. He wants you to do something for the kingdom of God. He says, go work today. Well, I want to just point three things to you about this story that I think all of us need to consider and the first thought is this. It's the word mission. Mission. God has given us a mission. Look at what he said. He said, son, go work in the vineyard today. Now, notice the, the priority of that. He said, son, go. In the Greek language, that word, uh, it can mean as you are going. But it also can mean, you know, just making progress as you go. And the idea here is that God does not expect perfection from you. He knows you're not perfect, but he does expect progress. He does expect you to be even like that second son that said, well, I'm not going to do that, but he ended up going. He says, son, go and work in the vineyard. Now, now I, could, I, could emphasize, I could preach a whole sermon with just three different tones in this sentence. Son, go and work today in the vineyard. In other words, if you're a part of the family of God, if you've been saved, son, daughter, go and work in the vineyard today. Or I could say, son, go and work in the vineyard today. The idea there is that God wants us to go. He doesn't expect perfection. He does expect progress. He does expect us to be involved. He does expect us to do something that's going to make a difference for all of eternity. And once again, you don't have to be Billy, Billy Graham. You don't have to be Mother Teresa. You don't have to be a preacher that's on television. You don't have to stand on the street corner and preach at people as they walk by. You can be a part of what God does in the kingdom of God, working in the vineyard today. He says, son, go and work in the vineyard. Obviously, he wants us to work in his kingdom. But notice the last word, and this would be the tone that I would say, son, go and work today. The urgency. God wants you and me to work and he wants us to be busy about it. He wants us not to procrastinate. He wants us not to put it off. Now, the story of these two sons here is interesting. The one was a liar. We'll talk about that. In other words, he said that he was going to do it, and he didn't do it. And the other was a procrastinator. In other words, he said, well, I'm not going to do that. And we don't know. This is just a story that Jesus told. Maybe uh, the son that said, you know what, I'm going to do it. Maybe he had good intentions, but he didn't get around to it. Maybe he didn't put his priorities in the right uh, place. Maybe he had good intentions, but do you know that good intentions are not going to make a difference? It's kind of like the old saying um, that close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. Now I realize we have a younger crowd in our church, so you'd have to say cornhole and hand grenades, all right? Because some of you don't know what horseshoes is. 
but the fact is, we can, on the altar of our good intentions, sacrifice what is important. It doesn't really matter if you've got good intentions. It doesn't really matter if you say, well, I'm going to get around to it one day, and you never do. The idea is that God wants us to put the priority and to make sure that we do it now. Son, go work in the vineyard today. Today. God is calling us to step up today. Not when our schedule gets a little easier. Not when the kids get grown. Not when football season is over. He says, do it today. Today. Well, the vineyard is the world. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus gave us instructions about working in his vineyard. And I want you to listen to what he said. This is right before he ascended back to heaven. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, the interesting thing about this is it did not say, it did not use the word then but he used the word and. Look at it this way. He said, I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, the idea here is that the Jerusalem will be uh, your home, your area, your, uh, the people that you're familiar with, your family, your friends, your inner circle. Uh, Jerusalem and Judea. Uh, Judea was actually that the greater part of that nation. So God wants us to uh, be a a part of of spreading the good news, working in his vineyard within our circle of influence. Our home, our family and friends, our co-workers, our neighborhoods, our community, uh, our church. He says that we can do that. But then he also says we're to go to Samaria. That would be cross-cultural missions, if you will. In other words, You don't just want to reach the people that are exactly like you. That's one of the problems that many Christians and many churches have today. They tell people, and they don't actually use these words, but with their actions they say, well, if you like the same kind of music we like, if you look like we do, if you smell like we do, if you vote like we do, then you're welcome to come to our church. But that's not what God tells us to do. He says we're to go cross-culturally, people that are different than we are. We are to take the good news of the gospel to everyone, everywhere. And then he says, to the ends of the earth. Now, the idea here is that there's an urgency to this. And the only way that you and I can do this. By the way, do you think one individual can do this? No. There's no way that one person can go to the ends of the earth. There's no way that one person could go to every country in the world, learn every language, and uh, translate Scripture to every language, and start churches in every culture. Th- that's impossible. And so what is he implying here? He's telling us, number one, that we need to be involved with our family. We need to have our own personal relationship with God. It's personal. But then he also, I believe, uh, tells us that we're to, in our own interactions, and in our relationships, to reach people that are different than we are. But then if we're going to go to the ends of the earth, how do you do that? You do that through the church. You do that collectively through the church. When you give, when you participate, when you help set up, when you help serve, you are doing this. And so God has called us to be a part of his mission. 
Now, I, I mentioned about how one of the sons was a procrastinator. Maybe he was distracted. Maybe he thought his schedule was too busy. Maybe he didn't think he was strong enough. Well, I can't do that. They're asking people to do stuff that I'm just not capable of doing. Well, that's the good news about this church. Uh, we don't ask you to do what you're not capable of. You don't have to be a preacher or a teacher or a singer to serve God. You can serve God with your gifts and your talent by participating the way God has uh, made you. Some people say, well, my sin, I'm too bad. There's no way that they would ever want to use me at that church. I've heard people say, man, if I were to walk in to that church, the roof would fall in. Well, we've checked the roof. It's pretty strong, all right? So you don't have to worry about it. The fact is, you don't have too bad of a past. Doesn't matter. I mean, does sin matter? Of course. But the fact is, that's why we use the statement here at this church that uh, Stillwaters is the perfect place for imperfect people. If you're looking for a perfect church, don't come here. If you're looking for perfect people, definitely don't come here, right? I mean, the truth of the matter is, the, everybody here, you're just normal people. We don't put on our Sunday face. We try to be as real as we possibly can be. And so there is no excuse. It doesn't matter what your past is like. It doesn't matter if you weren't raised in church. It doesn't matter if you don't think you can do a particular thing well. There's something you can do well. Or maybe his excuse was society around him. Did you know that we can be distracted from the purpose, from the mission, by things like politics? God knows that's really easy. If you get on social media, uh, I have to really limit that because if I stay on it too long, I feel like my head's about to explode, you know? I'm like, how can they say that? And I get angry. And I don't want to be angry, so I just stay off it mostly. The truth is that in this culture, um, God has not called you to win arguments. He's called you to tell the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what he's called us to do. Uh, so um, the fact is, he served the mission, even though he was a little bit late in doing it. The other son did not serve the mission. He said, I'm going to do it. He had good intentions, but he didn't follow through. Here's the second word I want you to see. It's the word commission. Mission is what God has called us to do. And commission, that is how God has commanded us to go. He said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. Don't wait. Don't wait till a more convenient time. Don't put it off. Don't procrastinate. Don't say one of these days. But he says, go and work today. And then the last word is the word omission. God has given us a mission. He's got a purpose for your life. And if you don't live by that truth, you're going to wander, you're going to drift, and you're going to be miserable. You'll find that no matter what you try, eventually it loses, loses its meaning. And no matter what you try, no matter how much money you make, no matter how many parties you go to, no matter how many people you know, no matter how many followers you have on social media, there comes a point where it's completely empty. And God does not want you to live that way. God wants you to know that he has a purpose and a meaning for your life. So the mission that he's given us, the commission, he's called us. 
He says, go work today. Don't wait. Don't procrastinate. Don't lie about it. Say, I'm going to do it and never get around to it. Don't be the one that maybe has good intentions but never follows through. Set those priorities in your life. It is as simple as making a simple decision to say, yes, I'm going to do it. And I know I'm preaching to the choir with a lot of you. Some of you, like I said, some of you showed up. So many of you serve here in this church. So many of you participate. And I got to be honest, it just blesses my heart. And it's not about me, but God is pleased with what you do. But then the last thing is omission. Don't omit what God has called us to do. Don't be the one that either procrastinates or the one that deceives yourself. You see, God has called us. We're commanded as followers of Christ uh, to do some things. Did you know that there's only two things really you won't be able to do in heaven? Of all the things that God has commanded us to do here, we're going to be able to do only two of them. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, only we're going to do, do all of those in heaven except for two. There's two things you can't do in heaven. Uh, you're going to be able to fellowship. God calls us to do that. That's a part of the Christian life. You're going to do that in heaven, big time. It's going to be wonderful. You're going to have better relationships there than you've ever had here. Um, you're going to be able to pray. Pray is just talking to God. You're going to be able to talk to Him face to face. You're going to be able to pray more than you've ever prayed. You're going to be able to connect with God in a way that you never have before. You're going to be able to worship. In fact, that's going to be a big part of what we do in heaven. We're going to worship God. You're going to be able to serve. Did you know that? You're going to be able to use your gifts. You're going to be able to please God for all of eternity. Did you know that you're even going to be able to give in heaven? You say, how is that possible? Well, the Bible tells us that uh, He will reward us with crowns and that we will cast our crowns at the feet of Jesus. You're going to give in heaven. There's only two things you won't be able to do. You won't be able to sin, thank God, and you won't be able to witness or evangelize in heaven because everybody there is going to be a Christian. Everybody there is going to be saved. Everybody there is going to already be reached. And so this tells me that what we cannot do, what we dare not do is sin the sin of omission omitting what it is that God so urgently has called us and tasked us to do now going as an individual responsibility as well as a church responsibility we got to continue to move along Um, notice that in reaching people which that's what God has called us to do that's one thing that we're very very interested in here at this church Let me just read you a couple things I've written down about uh, evangelizing when it comes to uh, working in the vineyard, using that metaphor. You know what they did when they worked in the vineyard? Some people sowed, you had to plant. Some people watered. Some people cultivated. Some people cared for the, the crops. Some people watered. Some people pruned. Some people harvested. Some people made wine. Thought I'd get an amen there. All right, so uh, some people uh, they harvested, and then at the end they shared the joy with others. At the end of every season, they would have this big celebration. Now I want you to use that metaphor 
for what God has called you and me to do. Urgently called us in reaching other people. Uh, He wants some to sow. Every time you share the good news, every time you tell what God has done. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to have a degree in theology. You are an expert in your story. All you got to do is tell people what God's done for you. You talk about it. Man, you won't believe how God has blessed me lately. You won't believe how God answered a prayer for me lately. You see, when I begin to sow that seed, God is pleased. Some people cultivate. That is that we have relationships with people that need Jesus Christ. We invite them out to lunch with us. We uh, have them to our house. We bring them to church with us. We cultivate that relationship. We care for people. And here's what I want to challenge you as a church. Don't ever try to win anyone to Christ by arguing with them. I've never known anybody that's been reached that way. And I'm not talking about the ability to reason or to use reason. And and yes, that's fine. But when you get in an argument with people, it really shuts them down. You want to know how to reach people? Do you want to know how to make a person that even might be an atheist or an agnostic or at least a skeptic? You want how to reach that person? You want to know how to break down barriers? It's not by singing your Christian songs. It's not by quoting theology to him or her. It's by caring for them. It's by loving them. You want to know how to reach those people? Care for them. Love them. Do what Jesus would do. And you'll be able to reach them. Some people water. Some people prune. Some people harvest. Some people make wine. Making wine in the, in the Bible represents the joy of the Christian life. It represents the joy of the Holy Spirit. And I would encourage you, you want to reach people, don't be a complainer. Don't be some old grump that just all you do is complain about everything. Look, I get it. I don't like a lot of what's going on in our nation. I pray for our nation. But you know what? You're really not going to reach people by complaining about it, by being an old grouch, okay? You've got to have joy in the Lord And then you share that joy with others. Well, the challenge is this, that God wants us to make a difference. He's given us a mission. He's given us commission. In other words, he's commissioned us to go. He's called us to go. He's commanded us to go. And then we are not to send the sin of omission. Or we omit that from our life, our busy schedule. The excuses we make. God says, son, go work in my vineyard today. Today. Today is the day. And I hope that you and I will live that way this next week. Heavenly Father, thank you for the fact that you've called us. You've given us a mission and a purpose in life. There's no doubt about that. And Lord, help us to live it out. Help us to do what you've called us to go work in your vineyard today. Let us not be procrastinators. Let us not be excuse makers. But let us step up and say, I'll go. I'll be the one. I'll make a difference. I'll pursue what you've called me to pursue. And help us to do it today. In Jesus' name I pray. 
Amen.